ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode, another season of Glowing Weak Point. I'm your host, John, and with me, as always, my co-host, Mr. Pinkerton. I, I wonder if I can get, like, a kazoo sound to play over when you say a new season. Oh, shit. Um... Give me like oh shit, he has a kazoo! Four seconds. Oh Ten god, we're getting seconds. Foley work. <laughs> is it in here? Yes, it is. Oh man, listen to all that Foley. I love it. <laughs> Season <go>. 8! Happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man. Don't call me a fucking Pinkerton. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how's it going, Wombat? It's going, man. It's, you know, life chugs along. There are days, there are good days, there are bad days, and there are days. Yeah. And this is kind of just a day. Okay. It's fine. It's fine to have just a day. Yeah. Honestly, if all day, or if most days were just days, uh, I'd, I'd be a lot happier. Right. It does feel like more days are bad days. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's why I've stopped reading ah. the news or using social media. <laughs> More yeah. days are days when you don't read the news or look at social media. It's true. Yeah. It's, it's 100% true. <laughs> All right. Well, Wombat, John, it's been... What feels like a month. It has so, been uh, a month. So, what's, what's, what's your glowing month point? <laughs> My glowing month point. Um, you know what? My... You know what? It's, it's been a month, so it doesn't have to be one thing. You can, you can mention a few things. Okay, then I'll do two. I'll do two. Um, the first happened today. I went out to the mail, and my associate's degree was in the mail. I nice! have the associate's degree in my possession the past year of school was worth something you know <laughs> yeah even if you it's have just proof that piece of that paper you can sit through classes yeah <laughs> so that was nice to go out to the mail and finally get that uh-huh cuz i mean technically i graduated in like may right it just took them forever to send me the piece of paper yeah still don't have mine Oh, that seems like you should talk to somebody. <laughs> I have. It's been years have, for you, I, hasn't it? I have I have many times talked to them and they're like, man, I don't know. I we we've sent it to you like four times now. It's like, well, you you haven't though. But, Damn. Oh well. Well, this isn't glowing bummer point, so we're gonna move on. Uh, <laughs> my my other man, one I'd have so much for that segment. <laughs> A couple weeks ago, uh, Wes Anderson's new movie, Asteroid City, came out. And it's a weird one. Yeah. It's a little... Uh, it... I'm not sure that I I like it as much as his other movies. But... Who, who did you say... Uh, Wes Anderson. Did this one? Yeah, yeah. And it's a weird one, you it's say? A, it's a little weird one. No, it's... His movies are usually, like, very twee. Like, they have this style to them, and their char- the characters are all, like, quirky and eccentric, and they're still that. But this one's also trying to make, like, a philosophical point, which is interesting, 
but like not like just stated in the text either. It's like, he's trying to do like something experimental here for him at least, and it's a little yeah. weird, and I don't know how I feel about it. But what it does do is remind me that good movies can still be made. Because <laughs> so yeah. so many movies just like lack any style or substance or anything. Yeah, they and, do. And his movies have style and substance and good lighting. <laughs> yes, I've I've mentioned this I, before, so but Hollywood movies, movies dark. Yeah, Hollywood movies have really shit the bed on lighting for the past like two decades. Yeah, <laughs> but he hires people who know how to light a scene. <laughs> how is how is the sound engineering? Because I feel like that's another thing that Hollywood has just decided doesn't matter. Right? No, his sound We're is like. Really good. His sound is very, very, really good. It's it's just like, a competent movie. One second you're movie. listening to someone talking, like there's like really loud noises, and you could hear them. And the next second, someone's whispering, and it might as well just like you are also not into the secret that they are whispering, right? <laughs> it's um. Yeah, it's a, it's a competently put together movie with a style and a thing to say, and it's it's good. Okay. Yeah, I enjoyed it, even if I'm not sure that I like it as much as you know shit like the Grand Budapest Hotel or the Royal yeah. Tenenbaums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about your glowing month points, John? <laughs> Uh, I have a bunch of little things. Um, so... If we go back to the beginning of this month, we're in July right now. Actually, no, before then. Before then, uh, my wife Kristen and I went to get our passports. Okay. We had all the paperwork, we went to the place, and we walked up to the guy who Kristen has said is... The Sass Master. Okay. <laughs> because he was just, like, everything he said to you was an accusation. <laughs> like, 100% of the words that came out of his mouth were an accusation. <laughs> Even if the sentence itself was not accusatory, the way he Correct. said it was accusatory? <laughs> yes. <laughs> everything he said was an accusation. And, uh, so, like... We came in, and uh, we had everything, we thought, um, and so we walked over, and, and the guy's like, all right, cool, I, I need this, this, and this, and we handed it to him, and, and he he took it, and then he looked at the um, uh, paperwork and, was, and said, I, I think he said, like, of course, you should always have um, more than you need. Uh-huh. <laughs> and which was good, because, like, we, we had... You know, some some extra stuff that we needed. And then, literally, in the same breath, he grabs a different piece of paper and is like, Psh, I don't need this shit. <laughs> Why would you bring this? <laughs> and, like, this, this old man's just fucking giving us sass. <laughs> so we're like, alright, don't piss off the scary man. Don't piss off the scary man. And then, so, like... Of course you should bring more than you think you need. No. Why would you fucking bring this? We don't need it. Uh, about 30 seconds later, 
Uh, it says here that you did have a uh, passport at one point. Um, yeah. Do you? Yeah. Where is that? I was like, oh, I left it at home. I didn't. It didn't say we needed it. He's like, of course you need it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fucking hell. <laughs> of course so, you need it. So we got Kristen's done, and then he turned to me and was like. All right, if, if you manage to, like, get back in time, like, go home, grab your stuff, and come back, uh, we might be able to fit you in and get your stuff anyways. Because it takes a month. Like, you schedule, it's, it's all scheduled, and your appointments are a month in advance. Right. So, so, since I didn't bring my passport, I would get it, have to wait another month in order to come back in and do all this. So we're like, yeah, yeah, sure, thanks, we'll, we'll run home and get it. We do so. We come back, and the most television family was there. But like, like the Brady Bunch. I I was Kristen and I were both literally looking around for cameras <laughs> because and, and you know uh, the like the whole you mean family like reality kind of TV? No, no more. Fa- no, no. I mean like a movie. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, like the Brady no more, Bunch or fucking Malcolm in the Middle. Or um uh, Home Alone was the one I really got. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> the dad, like everyone was was fairly uh movie-esque, but the dad was the most. <laughs> because like the mom has it's a mom, two kids and a dad. The mom has everything in order. It's all individually plastic bagged. Like she's done her research, she comes in, she's got all the stuff. And, uh, in case you don't know, when you get your passport, you send all your documents in. But you send all of your documents in. Your birth certificate gets sent in with that. Like, uh, the original. Not a copy, the original. Uh, your social security card. Like, like everything gets sent in. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's just the way it is. Like, hey guys, the, what if I the, need that in the meantime? You can technically go and get uh, duplicates, but uh, you should just know that you're not going to have these. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and it's it, this is it's just a thing that there, there, it's the law. There's no getting around it. <laughs> this is just the way it is. So, like, we went in, we learned this. We're like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of scary, but okay. Like, what am I going to do? Fight you on this? I need the passport. (laughs) So, like, (laughs) the mom walks in. The guy tells her, she's like, ooh, like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah. (laughs) She's like, okay. Meanwhile, the dad is the stereotypical dad who is a businessman in movies. (laughs) Like, I guarantee every single night of the week, he calls in and is like, Honey, I'm in another meeting tonight. I'm gonna be late. Like, <laughs> and he's also wearing he's... a black suit with a with, with a tie and a fedora, and he speaks in a twenties voice. Honey, I'm gonna be late tonight. I'm working on the new paper. <laughs> no, 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 closer to like an eighties or nineties movie of that. But, <laughs> but like he spent. Oh, he's American 12... Psycho. The, yeah, yes, there are twelve <laughs> signs in this place that cell phones are not allowed. Uh-huh. Which is annoying because, like, I'm sitting off to the side. I am not interacting with this at all. And I really want to just pull out my phone and scroll something or play some stupid game on it. But, like, 
I'm going to follow the rules because this dude is Sass Master. Um, and he's, you know, going to help me out by s- <laughs> fitting me in. Um, so, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, th- this, this dad is on the phone the whole time. And he's like pacing back and forth, uh, talking business stuff. And then he's like, oh, I've got another call. And then like hangs up on that person, picks up a different business call and is on like pacing back and forth. And he walks outside and, uh, like is, is outside pacing <laughs> and talking and stuff. And then he comes back in and then he's still on the phone and he walks up to the guy and the guy talks about like taking the originals and he fights the guy on taking the originals. He's like, like, it's, it's, it's the, like, I'm a man, I know what's supposed to be, so I'm gonna fight you on this sort of thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and the, the passport guy doesn't give a shit. Like, b- because y- there's no fighting it. This man you is either your god while you are in this room. Correct. <laughs> you can either give him, <laughs> you can either give him the damn papers, or you can leave the fucking building, that's it. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, and, but, like, the, the mom heard it, questioned it, immediately went, okay, and just, like, gave all the stuff over and, like, is falling through with all this. She's trying to keep everything in line. And the dad's coming in here and he's like, I want to pick a fight with this. Like, <laughs> like, I, I'm not paying attention right now, but, uh, this one thing I disagree with, so I'm going to fight it. Um, and then, like, he wanders back outside. And then they do all the stuff, and the mom signs her things, but they're getting passports for the kids, which means that they need both guardians' pass uh, uh, signatures for it. Right. So, like, she signs all the paperwork, and then the, the sass master's like, well, I need your the other guy's signature, too. And so she, like, goes Can over there. you get there the other guy in the door here? And, like, asks him to come in timidly, and he comes in. He's still on the phone, and he signs the things. It's, like, the fourth call he's taken. <laughs> and, uh, like, it was insane. I have, I have seen parents, like, of, of like, office parents and, and businessmen and stuff. I, I mean, I work at a grocery store, so I see all types all day. I have never seen someone who is more like the Santa Claus or the dads, <laughs> uh, the parents from um, uh, Home Alone. Like, they were, gosh. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, next thing I want to bring up is... The 4th of July parade. Oh, God. They still do those? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a uh, county 4th of July parade. It's not even the state one down at the Capitol. This is the county one. You want to hear the things that... Uh, we, we, we made a list. Okay. Um, a list of there what? There was a guy... Uh, of shit. <laughs> there was a guy across the street from us bearing a... Oh, no, no, this guy was walking in the parade. Guy bearing a cross. I knew that's what you were about to say when you stopped. I was like, no way he's about to say bearing a cross. <laughs> bearing a cross with an American flag attached to it. God, Americans need is- to stop. <laughs> <laughs> 
Then there is the Republican Party section. There is a Democratic Party section, which was surprising. Many years there isn't. It was very small. But uh-huh. there was a Republican Party section. It was a float with people on it, and, and there was a and uh, it was just person with a loudspeaker. Uh, no. <laughs> but the person with the speaker on it, as it's it got Mitch up McConnell. to us, said, let's go, Brandon, on their loudspeaker. Oh, God, kill me now. And then, and then that was repeated by the people around them. And then they repeated it on a, again. At, it wasn't just like a one-time thing. It was a call and, and response. Like, they were looking towards us. There was no one around us with like a, a Trump or a Let's Go Brandon or Republican thing on it. Like most of the people with me were Republicans because I'm surrounded by fools. But <laughs> uh, like they, it wasn't like they saw someone and were like, ah, that, that dude's MAGA. Let's let's say Let's Go Brandon on it. No. They That's just, just what they were are saying. saying this. That's <laughs> just what the float was about. And and it's not a Trump party thing. It is the Republican party of of Cobb County where I live. Insane. Let's go Brandon. Wow. What like of all like it's it's the stupidest catchphrase to begin with. Right. <laughs> but like really uh, there was the uh, actual militarized police, uh, <laughs> and I don't mean like there was a SWAT car there. I mean there was a, a tank? military. Yeah, I mean yes, like a wildcat or something. Like, like, like literally, yes, there was a wildcat. Yeah, <laughs> with SWAT on it. Yeah, I, I know, and a and a sniper nest on top. The, like the police, the actual totally fucking have militarized that. police. <laughs> That's definitely like, what they need for fucking traffic stops. There is a uh, extremely large Sons of the Confederacy section. Oh, that needs to stop. You shouldn't allow them there. No. Um, That's basically a, like giving the Klan a fucking spot in the parade. Yeah. There is a float and several vehicles for a prepper section. Like... I mean, that could Legit be preppers. fine. That could be fine. Like, like homesteaders, preppers. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of prep. Uh, uh, you should uh, have right, water. Sure. You should have bottled water in the house. Yeah, <laughs> the, this shit is not that. You should know how uh, to lot, grow corn. <laughs> there was, usually there's like a ton of uh, veteran sections. Like there's the veterans of the Vietnam, veterans of Korea. Veterans yeah, I mean, the Republicans don't they're, care they're about really veterans old. anymore. Like, fuck that. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> and honestly, after COVID, most of them died. Uh, right. Because they're all old. And uh, homeless, never a seen, lot of them. I've never seen a veterans of Iraq, Kuwait, Desert Storm. Oh, no, we, we just leave them to rot, you know? They yeah, either become yeah, the manager apparently. of a Verizon store or they're on the streets and the Republicans don't care either way. There was only one veteran section. It was veterans of Vietnam. There were like five people there. Only two of them looked old enough to be veterans. Uh, and and then there were like 40 different military cosplay sections. I'm sure the Proud <laughs> Boys were like, there. I, I don't know. I mean, they're illegal technically. Yeah, technically. Um, also clowns, you know. Yeah. Why, why were there clowns there? I don't know. 
Uh, oh, I thought you so, were calling yeah, them clowns. That was the 4th of July. There were just no, actual no. Well, clowns? I mean, there were just actual clowns. There were three <laughs> sections of actual clowns. Three? Yes. <laughs> That's too many sections of clowns. Yeah. Oh, and there's like, there's the Shriners, there's the Masons, there's the, uh, whatever the other one is. The Scott Shriners? Uh, Get them out of here. Um, all right. So those are the two main things. Uh, the other two I want to talk about real quick is, uh, Reddit sucks and I left. I I think we talked about that slightly in the last one, but like, fuck Reddit. Um, go to, go to Lemmy instead because Lemmy's better. Um, and the other thing is I'm currently doing a game jam. So that's what I was working on, uh, instead of prepping for this podcast. Okay. What, oh, yeah, how long is the game jam? It's 10 days. Oh, what you working on? Yeah. Uh, we're doing a board game. The The theme is Parallel Worlds. Oh. So, yeah, we're doing a cooperative board game where each one has their own board, but you can affect things. On the other people. Like, if you do something on your map, it affects all of the maps. Right. That's cool. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So, and uh, I guess lastly, uh, I I started reading again. I, I finally got some books from the library, and they're enjoyable. I forgot how much I liked reading. Yeah. It's fun. Okay. All right, well, that's uh, 20 minutes of... Uh, the intro to this podcast. Intro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about what games we've played over the last month. I let's... have four, and you have nine, uh, seven, so why don't we do a couple of yours? Okay, what do you want to start with? Uh, tell me about... You've, you've got two big ones on here, two big names. Yeah. Legends of Zelda, Tears yeah. of the Kingdom, and Final Fantasy sixteen. Okay. So tell me about those two. All right. Final Fantasy 16, I'll start off with that one. Um, it's a good game. So they got the uh, they got the combat director for uh, Devil May Cry for Final Fantasy 16, right? So uh-huh. the combat is very action oriented and it feels really good. Okay. Um, the story is interesting. I like the characters and the the arcs they're going through. It's a very well written game. Um, it's not Final Fantasy. <coughs> ah. It, it, it's, but, like, I didn't want, because I get tired of all the fucking think pieces and reviews on games being like, there. this game isn't blah, the thing that it is, right? Yeah. And most of the time, yeah, they're wrong. Like, I mean, even in this, like, there were things like that about the newest <coughs> Zelda games, right? The the previous two Zelda yeah. games. And they're enough like Zelda for me to still call them Zelda, right? They're not exactly what I go to for Zelda games, usually, but the, the, the magic is still there, right? Okay, yeah. With Final Fantasy 16, it isn't. Um, 
Like, <laughs> there are narrative elements that are similar to Final Fantasy games, you know? There are big magic crystals dotted across the world. There are the big summons, you know, Ifrit, Phoenix, yeah. Shiva, those are all there. Like, like it has the narrative trappings of a Final Fantasy game, but <clears throat> there's... Uh-huh. There's no, like, like party members have no growth capacity or anything. They're just there, right? And that's because the narrative has them drop in and out of your party constantly. Um, uh-huh. With Clive being the only real, like, character you're ever with. And, and as a result, there's no party system, right? You're not... You're not increasing their abilities or anything. You're not giving them new armor or weapons. They operate entirely on their own because this is an action game and it wants you to focus mm-hmm. on just what you're doing. Um, yeah. So so the party system is just gone, right? It, the, the, it, you can say what you want it about Final exist. Fantasy 15, but you at least had influence over what your party was doing what weapons they had equipped. They had levels of their <laughs> uh-huh. own, you know. Yeah. Um, and then Clive himself doesn't even really have, like, like, levels are meaningless. He levels up, but they're pointless. They, they give you may, maybe, like, two or three points in a stat as you level up, which you're getting more than that just from equipment upgrades as you go through the game. Right, it's yeah, it it's it, pointless, pointless to level up, um, <laughs> and and then he has like a middle wheel, like an ability wheel, right? But yeah, half of it is fully unlocked as soon as the game starts. Like you can't even upgrade anything on it. It's just these are his base abilities, and then the others are like little uh, like useful abilities you can unlock. And then you can upgrade them once, and then that's it. Um, and then with each new icon he gets, the, the summons, right? He gets a little wheel mm-hmm. for each of those. But those are just, like, the abilities he can use based on the summon. It's not like stats or anything. It's not. It's not like passives even, really. It's just like, when you're using this icon you can use two of these available skills for this icon. And then you can upgrade them twice, and then that's it. Yeah. And it's a cool game, (coughs) but it's not Final Fantasy. No. (laughs) Like, like everything, everything that has been Final Fantasy... From one to fifteen, it, it is throws it out. yeah, it's just gone. So it's a bit of a bummer. It's an enjoyable game, but it's if you're looking for an RPG fix, sixteen isn't it? It's no longer an RPG. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, Tears of the Kingdom, meanwhile, is an awesome fucking game. Uh, I hated Breath of the Wild, despised it, loathed it even. Um, Tears of the Kingdom addresses almost every complaint I had about Breath of the Wild, and then adds even more cool shit on top of it. Excellent. Yeah, 
exploration is boosted way up just because like like not only is there now the depths that you can go into like deep underground um, and mm-hmm. the sky islands, but there are caves all over the uh, the main map too to go and explore that have like chests and enemies to fight, <clears throat> cool pieces of equipment to find. Like, not even just, like, like the breakable weapons or whatever. There's so many outfits you can get in this game. And a lot of Mm -hmm. them are hidden in these caves. And that's really cool to actually be, like, rewarded for the exploration you're doing. Which I didn't feel like Breath of the Wild did very well. Um, Yeah. And the powers are just better... Like, the ascendability is the best thing that has ever been in a video game ever. Um, (laughs) Anytime you're in a cave and you want to get out of the cave, you can just ascend through the ground back to the the overworld. And, like, like it's just, it saves a lot of time, a lot of backtracking, a lot of bullshit. It's real good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um... What are the other ones? Recall is a little <coughs> a little weird, but there's there's cool stuff you could do with recall if you were better at the game than I am. Um, so re- recall like makes items go backwards in time. Like like if you have a ball rolling towards you, for example, right? Um, mm-hmm. You can recall on the ball, and it will go back up the direction you came, and you can run up through the tunnel it came from and avoid it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of cool stuff you could do in combat with that, too. Because it does stop time until you uh, you select the thing you want to recall. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just not good enough at the game to do that, but I'm it sure happens. it's real cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, fusing is real good. But... Ba- there's no reason to ever use the base version of a weapon. Um, it's They've all been given like low durability and they're pretty weak. But with all the monster parts you get, you're constantly fusing together like cool weapons. And, and it increases their durability like five times or whatever. Weapons aren't constantly breaking on you. Like in the first game? Like in the first game. Um, oh, and the towers. That's right. Uh, you, you know how in Breath of the Wild you just had Ubisoft towers all over the place that you had to climb? Yep. And then you did the Assassin's Creed and that was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh-huh. In this one, you That's only have exactly to... what happened. Yeah. In, in this one, you have to climb two towers. Uh, all the others... You enter from the bottom, and then you get shot up into the air to to uh, record the thing. And there's just like an overworld puzzle you solve in order to open the door for a few of them. So nice. They did a uh, not Ubisoft. It, <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. I liked it. Um. Yeah. Also, Matthew Mercer voices Ganondorf. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he does a real good job. But uh, yeah, that's all I want to say about Zelda. Okay. What do you want to hear about? 
Uh, tell me about Heave Ho. Heave Ho is the game you picked for me to play. Well, technically, and, Fortune uh, Cookie picked it for you. Yes. Um, uh, it is a puzzle game, I guess, puzzle platformer, technically. There's no jumping. Uh, you are a ball with two arms, and you grab with each arm. Okay. And you move yourself around by grabbing on and then pivoting around that to the other side and grabbing and then pivoting and so on. And so you can fling yourself like that by like, you know, swinging really fast and then letting go so that you keep going. Uh, it's a, it's a very simple game, uh, with very simple puzzles that I beat in about six minutes. (laughs) And that's all. Okay. Uh, you, you described it as a ball with two arms and then the whole time you were talking, I'm sorry, I was listening, but I was also just thinking about Toy Story, you know, uh, Sid's room. He has that yeah. that ball toy with the uh, the, uh, uh-huh. the the guy stuck out of it who could just use his uh-huh. arms. That's all yeah. I was thinking of. Yeah, but but yeah, <laughs> that, that that is that is what I am. Yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. Okay, we're on we're on the same page here. All right. <laughs> uh, that was the whole game, huh? Yeah. Uh huh. That's. <laughs> I'd barely describe yeah, I, that as a game. Yeah, I, I beat it real fast. <laughs> All right, well, that's enough of... Uh, no, no, that's enough of my stuff. We, we've talked about a game. We can move on to you. Uh, let's see. RuneScape and Vampire Survivors, because we've heard mm. enough about that. Okay. Uh, RuneScape, I played all day yesterday. And third bright, po- bright spot, bright glowing weak point, there... Um, I love. I reached level ninety nine fishing. It happened. Yeah, it's done. Congrats. Thank you. It's my first ninety nine ever. Anymore. Yeah, I never have to fish on that character ever again. I do not have to. If I want to, I can. There are still there's still stuff I could get by fishing, but I don't but have to. <laughs> Uh, well, good for you. Yeah, very proud. It was it was good. Now I I can finally open myself up to all the other skills I need to train. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Yep. Um, and Vampire Survivors. Uh, I hadn't really played this game since its official release, and I went back to it this past week. Not only is there stuff in the base game, but there's also two DLCs that have come out that I missed entirely. Yep. Um, pretty cheap ones. Worth the money. Like $2 a piece. It's fine. Um, yeah, I've already gotten them. Oh, yeah? yeah. Uh, the, the inverse mode is really cool. It ups the challenge by a lot. It's It's really cool. And it unlocks new stuff if you can survive on the inverse maps for a set period of time. Um, and then I, I haven't really dipped into the second DLC yet, but I've, I, I did the Mountain Moon spell map and I unlocked the character on there. Um, who was... Was that a Menya? No. Miang Moonspell. 
And Miang Moonspell is like this buff blue-haired woman with a, a katana that she does not use as a katana. It seems to summon magical orbs that attack all around her. It's pretty cool, actually. Okay. I like the silver wind okay. weapon a lot. <laughs> um, and, and then... Uh, as you do stuff with her, then you're unlocking the rest of the characters. Because I thought there would be, like, multiple maps. But there really is just kind of like the Mount Moonspell map. And then you get Miang. And then through Miang, you unlock all the other characters that are part of that DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've gotten Menya and Sayuto. And then... And Sayuto has two versions, I guess. I haven't tried the second one, but uh, like by doing something, I think killing a hundred thousand enemies with the first Sayuto, I unlocked another Sayuto. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know what that's about. It it, it uses a different weapon. Like Sayuto's weapon is. Uh, I forget what it's called or even what it does. It's, it's like wreathed in red. It's not a sword or anything. It's a little bit weird. But then the second Sayuto uses the night sword, which is the the weapon you can unlock on the mountain moon spell map. So, so just by default, second Sayuto has the night sword. Um. Which is a weapon I do like. It's a little bit tricky to use, but because it's constantly draining your health. But if you find a way to counteract yeah. that with healing, then it's it's a really powerful weapon, and I like it. Okay. Um, I do see that the uh, F- Lake Fuscari character unlock seems to be a character called Eleanor, who wears a cool, like, blue detective outfit, and I'm looking forward to that character because she seems like she'll be my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that is entirely my aesthetic. Please give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what do you want to hear from for me? Uh, dark Side Detective. Okay. The Fumble in the Dark. Uh, so I, I played a little bit more of this, and um, it's, I mean, it's still clever. Uh, <laughs> this this game is entirely about the writing. Yeah, you uh, said mechanics that before. Are, it's, yeah, it's a point-and-click, but, like, uh, with pretty much all point-and-click games, it's entirely about the writing. Right. Um, so... Um, the, it was a wrestling, um, match, and, um, we were, we were called there by our assistant, um, Officer Dooley, and we showed up, and immediately we find, um, uh, Officer O'Doul fighting in the rink. Oh, and he looks, yeah, yeah, like he's up there fighting everyone, and and then a demon gets summoned to fight against him, and they call off the match to, because like then it's a two on one because it's his opponent and a demon, so, right? You know, that's, that's breaking the rules. He, he needs, yeah, he needs to find a partner before they can do this. Uh, so 
you become uh, the partner. Officer O'Doul comes down. Uh, no, you because we don't we don't want to fight. We're going to. Um, uh, he already has a partner, which is it's like <laughs> I forget the name of the main character, but uh, the the his partner is like detective, you know, shortening of your name, right? And you're like, oh, seriously, you got a duplicate for me too. Uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, so they, they, you go around to try and find a way of, um, banishing the, uh, demon so that, you know, officer duel or O'Duel can, can beat him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Sure. Uh, and then Is his name supposed th- to be a play on Peter O'Toole? No. No. Okay. No. Dooley is Dooley is Irish, so Officer okay. O'Doole. Um. Uh. So you get through the whole thing, and then you you banish the the monster by doing a cage match, where you paint the runes on the cage, and then you get everyone to chant the name of the uh, monster, <laughs> which is. Honestly, uh, really easy to do in a wrestling match. <laughs> it's pretty easy to get people to chant something while watching wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you're like, all right, cool, let's go back to the office. And then uh, Officer Dooley shows up. Um, and and he's uh, not the wrestler. <laughs> what? Turns out there is there is just an o- Officer O'Doul and Detective pair that wrestle <laughs> that look that look identical to y'all but they're not <laughs> I see that's interesting uh-huh so yeah it was it was a fun little fun little uh it should have then had you wrestle case. them the two of you get yeah, together uh, and wrestle them I, I agree I agree <laughs> except for neither of you are fit <laughs> oh Never mind. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It's it's a fun game. Every single case is is enjoyable and has, um, you know, little little jokes and stuff in it. Okay. All right, we're we're getting to the end here. Tell me about cassette beasts and the one I asked you to play, or rather, the one that Fortune Cookie told you to play. Yeah, Momodora Reverie Under the Moonlight. Okay, uh, Cassette Beasts. It's Pokemon, but cool. Uh, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, we definitely have spoken about it on this podcast before. <laughs> okay. Um, there's... Uh, I don't know where where to start. It's been a while since I played it. It's just we've been... We, we haven't recorded in like a month, right? And so I know yeah. I've played this since, so I put it on here. Um... It's it's got like a uh, it's got a map that uncovers as you uh, explore around the area. It's like a grid setup kind of map. Um, there's different regions of it. Uh, different uh, cassette beasts that you find can some of them can give you special powers that will then allow you to explore around the world better and unlock new areas. Like, uh, there's a, a, one called a Bulletino and it, it's like a, a, it's a, it's a bullet, you know? Um, yeah, I, I, I got that. Yeah. And it, it, when you've 
when you uh, get a bullet, Bulletino, you also unlock the Bulletino Dash, which allows your character to move at the speed of a bullet. And oh. also what the game doesn't really tell you is that uh, also when you're moving that quickly, you can also smash through big cracked blocks. Um, yeah. I had to look that up because nothing in the game told me that I could do that with that power. But, uh, yeah. Um, there was one, uh, Boltam? What was that it? Boltam gave me the magnet ability, which when I use it, if there's like a, if there's like a transformer above me, I can magnetize to the transformer and lift up into the air. Or if there's a, if there's a, um, like a metal plate underneath me, then I can reverse magnetize and lift up into the air like that. Oh. Yeah. Um, and then there was another one. It's like a, I forget the name of it, but it's like a seal thing with a dive all. That's its name. Dive all. It's a, it's a seal with a, uh, a diving helmet on it. And when I got that one, I got the ability to swim. Instead of just, like, sinking instantaneously, I can now swim across the water. It's, uh... Yeah. Yeah. And, and all of these different cassette beasts can, like, evolve the same way Pokemon do. And and, and they, they... Some of them even have, like, branching ones, like... Oh, this big snake you have knows this specific move. So instead of becoming the regular big bigger snake, it'll become this different kind of snake when it evolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and also, you go through the entire game having a partner. Um, there are several partners that are unlocked throughout the course of the game, and they have like friendship levels that you can build with them like once you when you get them you start doing their uh their personal side quest and when you finish that then you gain the ability to uh raise their heart level right and then that's how you gain friendship and it allows like better abilities and shit with them Hmm. yeah it's it's got a lot going on uh, for for what at first seemed like kind of a small game, it's actually got a ton of stuff happening in it. And it's really cool. Oh, People good. should play it instead of playing the fucking shitty new Pokemon games where they don't even have the full <laughs> Pokédex. Fuck you, Nintendo. Yeah. Um, and then Momodora Reverie Under the Moonlight. I played about an hour, an hour and a half of it. It's it's a it's a platforming game, kind of in the style of like Castlevania or something. You know, I can clearly see areas I can't go to yet because I don't have a specific ability that would allow me to get there. And, and yeah. you have a map that's filling in as you go to different rooms. You know, it's it's a Metroidvania game. Um. It's it's hard right off the bat though. It's it's a very difficult game. I wasn't really expecting that. 
It seemed mm-hmm. kind of cutesy, to be honest, just looking at it. And it's it's a very punishing game. Like like <laughs> enemies enemies hit you and take out like a third of your health bar. It's it's crazy. And there's not really like there don't seem to be weapons to unlock. Like I I just have the one weapon and there's not really abilities. There's just like getting good with what you have. Yeah. Yeah. It's a just it's be better. Yeah, it's interesting and punishing. And I like it. I'm not I doubt I'll ever be good at it though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of games like that for me. Right. <laughs> All right, tell me about um Idle Skilling. Uh Idle Skilling is the game I played this past month. The one game? Uh, <laughs> well, Heave Ho took uh 5 minutes to beat. Right. And The Dark Side Detective was, you know, a, a nice foray for a half an hour. Um, and uh, idle skilling is what I've done with the rest of my time. And uh, honestly, I don't, I don't really have any big new additions to say. Like I've, I focused more on like upgrading my cards and stuff to make it so that my abilities are better. I've, I've probably reset another two times since then and uh i can't even count as high as the damage i'm doing because i'm doing 171 trillion and six orange stars (laughs) that's right it's this fucking game yeah uh yeah my my brain doesn't even wrap itself around to that. <laughs> How are you not in a different color yet? Go back to single digits with a different color. <laughs> uh, I I think I think it just keeps going with orange stars. Oh, like orange is the highest, and now yeah, now you're I think trillions so. of orange. Yes, get, get another color, <laughs> please. <laughs> I'm begging. Well, it you. just it just. It just adds an extra star each time. <laughs> so once I get up to uh, 999 quintillion uh, and I tick over one more damage, then it, it adds an extra star. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to type in our document. All right. I'm going to do it down here. I'm going to start yeah. hitting zeros. And I need you to tell me when we've hit quintillion. <laughs> Let's see, that's hundreds, thousands, millions, billions, trillions. There, there. There. How many zeros is this? <laughs> so that's, One, uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, And now you're in the quintillions. 21 yeah. zeros. Uh-huh. See, I look at this many zeros and my brain is going numb. 
Yeah, because you will <laughs> never in your lifetime encounter that many of anything. Right. Like, like you, you, you go relax on the beach and look down at the sand and you still won't see a quintillion sand. I'm not sure my body has that many cells. <sighs> Thirty-seven trillion. So yeah, no, the my my body does not have as many cells as there were zeros just there. You you <laughs> can you can be in an orgy and not still not have quintillion <laughs> human cells. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, that's nonsense. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'm having fun with that. Okay. Um, let's talk about our mutual mobile game. Oh, man. I'll let you start. Mouse Busters is a fun little game where you play as a mouse, uh, who is a Ghostbuster. Um, and, uh, you, uh... Well, you're leaving something out there. Yeah, oh yeah, you, you play as a human who was transformed into a mouse against his will fights against his will who busts ghosts yes um here here's the thing about the game though uh you don't actually play the game no there is no gameplay here whatsoever <laughs> I was yeah gonna... uh the, it's it's really uh it's it's a visual novel <laughs> essentially <laughs> yeah um I, I thought I thought the novel was uh, interesting in its very limited way. Um, did you pay money for this game? No, hell no. Okay, so we both no. did not no, see the we, second part no, of the game. We, we, yeah, we we both reached the same point of the game, and then it's like, all right, you've done the intro, basically. Um, now uh, pay up, so we will let you in on the rest of the game. And looking at the game. I don't give a shit. Right. <laughs> I like I don't I don't know who gets to that point and is like, "Oh man, I got to see what's next." <laughs> Nothing you did for me made me let like be like, "Oh, I need to pay money to keep going." Like, I yeah, wasn't no. playing anything. I thought it would at least be like a puzzle game or something, but it's not uh-huh. really. No, it's not. <laughs> and a, a one one more time. This game looks so interesting, and it's like it's it's art is good. The um, ads for it are good. It looks like a really good game, and it's not. <laughs> You're right. Mobile games need to get their shit together because all the worst games look very good, and all the t- all all the best games look like shit. I mean, yeah. go back to Sortigo. We thought Sortigo was gonna be a fucking joke. Yeah. And instead it was the best one we've ever played. And we thought Mouse yeah. Busters was going to be so awesome. Yeah, like, instead, all right, sort of go was kind of shitty. Around a like, room until the shitty thing that's looking, supposed but to like, happen this would be great. Happens. Yeah. Yep. Ugh. And, and like, it has that little mini game it, it, that it directs you to, and it's like, you should do this mini game so you can fight the ghosts. Right? Yeah. But the... Uh, but, the, but it doesn't actually matter at all. Right. Fighting the ghost is nothing like the minigame. <laughs> yeah. 
You, yeah. you just hold the gun. Fighting the ghost and you is click on you, the ghost. You press it, and then you release it, and then you press the ghost. Yeah, and then it's done. The end. <sighs> it's it was upsetting to be honest. Yeah, it's it's it, very disappointing, is what it is. Yeah. But uh, I I have recently gotten I I've. I, I'm I'm on on Limmy now instead of Reddit, and uh, there have been three posts recently about what are your favorite uh, Android games, and I've I've been saving them and going through. So I've yet to actually add it to our. Um, see, I immediately scrolled down to see. Yeah, if they yeah, were I know, there. I know you did. <laughs> I, I haven't haven't added it yet, but. Uh, it looks like there are some really good games that we'll get to play coming up, hopefully. Although, there is I, there is a, a thing I want to do. Uh, spoilers. Um, one of these days we're going to play an Otome game. Yeah? Yeah. Like, it's it's got to happen. I, I mean, have you played any Otome games? I don't think so. I mean... Uh, at least three episodes uh, or three seasons of a- or shows every season in anime are basically about an Otome game. That's true, and I watch them. Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of them are good. And a lot of them are not good, but we watch them anyways. Right. Uh, but, like, at this point, it's like, uh, we, we really need to have played one at least to, to like, see what it's like. So I have found two Otome games. You're going to have us playing that, are... that, like, pigeon game. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> and and uh, I believe Otome games are games where you play as a girl who dates guys. And the pigeon yeah. game is the opposite of that. It is a dating game where you play as a guy who dates girls. No, the main character is a girl. Really? Yeah. In a pigeon game? Yeah, it's an Otome game. Because um, all the other birds are, like, supposed to be hot dudes. Oh, you're right. It is Hetoful Boyfriend. Yeah. Mm. Uh, no. no I, I, <laughs> Still no. I, 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 I refuse to ever play that game. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. No. Fuck that. Oh, right. I, I do want to comment just one more time. Also, the, the visual novel aspect of Mouse Busters also just not a, that interesting. None of the characters yeah. have much going on. It's it, There's nothing to grip you narrative-wise yeah. either if the now, non-existent gameplay didn't do anything yeah, for you. To, to, be, to be fair, we did basically only play the intro, but... They also didn't tell I don't, me that I was only going to be playing the intro before I had to pay. Correct. <laughs> and I, I, uh, uh, I don't actually see it getting any better. No. So. <laughs> All right. Game facts. The facts about the wizardry, proving grounds of the Mad Overlord. That's a mouthful. Alright, Wizardry, Proving Grounds of the Mad Overlord, is a 1981 role-playing game developed by Andrew Greenberg and Robert Woodhead, 
Another great name. God <laughs> yeah. damn. Robert Woodhead. <laughs> Fuck <Yeah>. me, dude. <laughs> and published by oh. Cirotech Software Incorporated for Apple II. And later released for Commodore 64, Commodore 128. That was a thing. Fujitsu uh-huh. FM7, Game Boy Color, Macintosh, MSX2, NEC PC 9801, NES, IBM PC, Sharp X1, Super Famicom, John's an Asshole, and TurboGrafx 16. It got around. It did get around. <laughs> Uh. In Wizardry, Proving Grounds of the Mad Overlord, you play as a party of up to six characters to descend below the Mad Overlord Trebor's castle to fight the evil wizard Wurdna and retrieve Trebor's magic amulet. Yes, those names are just the devs' names backwards. Yep. Good old Trebor. How did Andrew feel about being the evil wizard? Uh, I mean, he's the primary dev, so... Oh, so this is probably his choice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That would be my guess. Wait, are you... Okay, we'll we'll get through this fact, and then I have a question. Uh, Building your party, your characters can be from five different races. Human, Elf, Dwarf, Gnome, and Hobbit. Choose from four basic classes, Fighter, Priest, Mage, and Thief, that eventually can cross-level into Elite classes. Fighter and Priest is Lord, Fighter and Thief is Ninja, Fighter and Mage is Samurai, Mage and Priest is Bishop. And pick from three alignments, Good, Neutral, and Evil. Now, my question is this. Are you allowed to use Hobbit outside of Lord of the Rings? Uh Because like like D&D uses halfling. Yes. Um like pretty much everything else uses halfling. So I thought they yes. did that because like they weren't allowed to use the word Hobbit. Um I don't know, but they did. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, they they did. All right. Um, the art is rather simple for the game, with a first-person view of the dungeon using line graphics, and monsters and chests appearing in that space as they appear, and the rest of the screen taken up by menus, which take up the majority of the screen space. So this is more of like a, uh, a management game, managing your supplies and shit. No, it's just it's it's not a game where like you're you're wasting around. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, this is this is really early. It's 1981. Right. All right. Each of the ten levels of the dungeon are a twenty by twenty maze with no auto map system. <laughs> Get out your paper. The PC release came with a map plotting aid to help with that. A pad of graph paper. Yep. (laughs) Although it was nice enough to have a partial map of level 1 on it to show you how best to use it. Uh, That that is uh, real nice. Yeah. I do... 
though, kind of like that we've gotten to the point in games where, like, Etrian Odyssey games clearly take a lot from this kind of game, right? And, yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, like, directly. Yeah. Etrian and, Odyssey claims to be a wizardry clone. Like, uh, okay, yeah. But there's a way in the game itself to map stuff out and, like, label, like, like this part of the map had a thing in it, right? Um, yeah. I'm glad we've reached that point in games because I would not be able to tolerate drawing my own map on a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, for for really big uh, maps and games, it's it's just completely untenable. But yeah. on a, honestly, for a game of this size, it's not that bad. Right? Like, imagine imagine playing Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And yeah, you have well, to draw the map yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because that's in real time. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. Started at Cornell University, it was initially developed by Andrew Greenberg on a dare on a Play-Doh system and directly reused the code for another program titled D&D on the same system. Not owned or operated by TSR. Greenberg's program was soon deleted. Oh, why? Because <laughs> they uh, straight up stole code. Right. <laughs> I mean, everybody steals code, though. Every single yeah. thing is just cobbled together pieces of other people's code with, like, some of your own thrown in there. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> But he did just steal code. Yeah, he did just steal code. Yeah. <laughs> he like, then worked up. on an Apple version and got Robert Woodhead to help polish it up and approached U.S.-based publisher Zerotech Software, later under the name Surtech, who actually allowed time to play test, mostly done by Brenda Romero, and balanced yeah. the game, vastly distinguishing it from other computer games of the time. That's a uh, John Romero's wife who also uh-huh. makes games. Correct. Yeah, she does like these cool like, like art. They honestly look like art house games, to be honest. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and yes, and we have talked about that back yeah. when, in season one when we talked about games as art. Yeah, I'm glad you remember her. Yeah, she's cool. Serotech mm-hmm. uh, Software was founded by Czechoslovakian refugees Norman and Robert Serotech. Oh, well, I see where they got the name. Fleeing from yep. Soviet <laughs> oppression. The Jewish family had survived World War II and Nazi occupation, mostly by being really rich and hiding in their castle. They had bought it alongside a lot of other land as property values plummeted approaching World War II. Man, you love capitalists capitalizing on the deaths of their own people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as they were outspoken against the Czech Communist Party, they had no recourse but to leave or die under Soviet rule once the party took over and left everything behind. They did eventually get their castle back under restitution policies in the 1990s after the Iron Curtain fell. I mean, it's cool that they had a castle and it's cool that they got that it was given back to them. I mean, that's just that's just cool. But also, one hundred percent of those restitution policies gave nothing back to poor people. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm not I'm not feeling too bad for them. They did survive no. World War II and Soviet and yeah, and the Cold War. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and got all their shit back at the end of it. Uh, being the type of people who became landlords, capital landlords, they lacked yep. scruples, and after the success of the first game, cut the original developers out and stopped paying royalties and licensing fees, which caused a three-decade lawsuit that was resolved when Surtec went bankrupt. Good. Fuck you, assholes. Yes. I agree. 100%. Fuck you. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just straight-up theft. Like, yeah. it's... It, like, like there's there's no getting around like I don't I don't see how the lawsuit took that long because I'll tell you it's how. just they had money <laughs> yeah yeah that's how the American like, legal system works is if you have money to pay lawyers then the the case never ends <laughs> like you have a contract you aren't following the contract you aren't you should paying be penalized. people. Yeah. Like, they made the game. What are you talking uh-huh. about? You're not paying royalties. Yeah. It's bullshit. Like, honestly, not only not only should they have gone bankrupt, but fucking Andrew and Robert should have gotten every fucking other IP they owned. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Insane. The game was hugely popular and received seven numbered sequels, the last one directed by Brenda Romero, from QA to director, as well as 40 spin-offs, mostly in Japan, including an MMO from 2011 to 2014, and a mobile game to be released later this year. Despite both developers and publisher being based in the United States, and the game not even being officially released in Japan until four years later... It was so popular that even before release, it was being covered in their magazines, like our National Enquirer would cover a television star. That was a quote from something. And when Robert Woodhead took a trip to Japan, he was practically mobbed by autograph seekers. What the fuck? I know. Like, he's just a guy. I know. (laughs) This is how much Japan loves wizardry. Um, like, there's a game like, called Wizardry 101. Does that have anything to do with this? I don't think so. Okay. Um, let me look real quick. No. Okay. I just wanted to be sure real quick while it was on my mind. But yeah, like, yeah. Japan is just a mobbing this guy. This, this random like, guy... Just because he took a trip Did, to Japan and he made a game they liked fucking 20 years ago. No, no, no. Here, Here's the deal about that. When he went, the game had not been released yet. Oh, oh, so this was in the three-year period before it came out yeah. in Japan. And they're mobbing yeah, this, him like he's a fucking, like he's fucking Brad Pitt. Yeah, this was like four months before the game was announced to be to Japan later that year. <laughs> like, the like fuck? the game came out that year in Japan, but it wasn't even announced yet. That is how popular. Let's let's go back just a little bit. 
There are eight official wizardry games. Uh-huh. There are 40 Japan-only wizardry sequels. Oh, those are the 40 spinoffs? Mostly in Japan. Yes. That's right. <laughs> the U.S. got eight wizardry games. Actually, nine, because they the U.S. got one sequel. Uh, one one spinoff sequel. Um, Japan got 48. <laughs> <laughs> what U.S. The got hell? eight. Japan got 48. Because Japan fucking loves this game. Why? They do. <laughs> Dude, and when things blow up in Japan, it like blows up, right? Like Yeah. Nothing yeah. nothing from overseas is just like kind of popular in Japan. If it's kind of popular in Japan, it is the biggest thing since sliced bread. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, you you'll see just how popular in the next two facts. Yuji Hori won a trip to visit Applefest 1983 and was stunned by how good and interesting the game was when he saw it displayed there. And came home and combined its mechanics and style with Ultima's overhead exploration to create Dragon Quest. Even the slimes were taken from wizardry. And let's be real here. Any slime you've ever seen in anime is based on the love of the Dragon Quest slime. There are statues of it in Japan, thanks truly to wizardry. Reincarnated as a slime is directly because of wizardry. <laughs> and, and and I'm not I'm not saying this as like a you know, lol, let's let's say something funny. Legitimately, one hundred percent it exists because of wizardry. Also, without that's... without wizardry, slimes would never have become popular in Japan and probably the world. Honestly, and, and probably the world, yeah. It, it would because uh, it's popular like, in America because the Dragon Quest slime is cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if if you think of D anD D, the first D anD D quest isn't go fight slimes. The first D anD D quest is go fight rats. Right. Like that's that's the the stereotypical D&D first battle. Rats or a couple goblins or, or something like that. Uh, the low health mob in Wizardry is the slime. And because of that, the low health mob in uh, about half of all games now is the slime because of Wizardry and Dragon Quest and Dragon Quest because of Wizardry. Right. So, like... <laughs> Also, Dragon Quest so big in Japan that Yuji Hori and Akira Toriyama also constantly mobbed by people whenever Correct. they get recognized. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, also, just a, a callback to the last time we talked about Yuji Hori, which was the Portopia serial murder case. Yeah. Which, which has in it a computer in which you can play a game very similar to wizardry <laughs> and one of the walls in that like you can go and like you you it dead ends into a wall that has writing on it that says yuji hori put this in this game because he would rather make a game like wizardry <laughs> so like straight up god i love yuji hori's favorite game that he ever played is wizardry that's insane 
Another iconic Japanese feature is also from Wizardry. Ever wonder why kobolds in D&D are reptilian and kobolds in anime are dog people? That's because Wizardry based their depiction off of the Beckme version of D&D, which was a limited version that happened overlapping the main first and second editions and is the only edition that depicted them that way. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, one small version of D&D uh, featured kobolds uh, as, as dog people instead of reptile people. And that's they made Andrew wizardry based off of that. Decided to make yeah. them based on that, wizardry. That was the version they had. So that's the version they based it off of. And because of that, Japan has a very different view of kobolds than the rest of the world. Japan, Japan now thinks kobolds are dog people. <laughs> yeah, like, and it's, it's, like, I have encountered in, in so many places, uh, like, dog kobolds, and I'm always like, why? Like, kobolds in modern D&D are not only reptilian, but they're, uh, technically descendant from dragons so they're they're technically dragonborn huh which aren't dogs at all <laughs> no in no way like, would they you, ever get you, two you, dogs yeah you, that, that is so far from dog you're like well there's no fucking way that kobolds are related to dogs except because of this one thing this one game that came out an entire nation thinks of them as as dog people countless anime depict them as dog people and a lot of western things now depict them as dog people based because, off of anime because we're influenced now by japanese media yeah it's a feedback so, loop one of my favorite um web shows from the mid 90s was unforgotten realms and it was my first uh, time ever seeing a, a dog kobold. And I was like, weird. Like, why why are they dogs? But cool. It's because of wizardry. It's because of wizardry. <laughs> and wh- why did this one version of D&D depict them this way? Do so, we know why? Yes. Uh, technically... Uh, first and second edition of AD&D has a very vague description of what a kobold is. Um, and they, they mention scales and stuff, but they also mention that they speak in a almost barking, yapping voice. And... After second edition, you know, in third edition, they just, they went 100% in on Reptile. And they they dropped the, the, like, the vague descriptions of them and just went, nope, they're Reptiles. Right. But in the Beckme edition, they went, the, the developers there went, mm, you know, barking, yapping, okay, they're dog-faced. But, like, this vague description of them was enough for them to interpret it as dogs instead of lizards. So like there's some, you know, confusion for like some people who play first and second edition did think that they were dog uh, faced, but that they were like dog shaped because there, it was vague enough description. Um, Beck me just 
went 100% in on that. I see. All right, and now John has one more fact for us. Yeah, because I was tired of writing and I didn't really know how to write all this. So in Wizardry's 6, 7, and 8, they introduced a new race. The Mook. And there's a, a, a definition in the Wizardry game manual of, like, where the Mook came from. They're, they're this outer space creature. They're kind of hairy. Uh, honestly, they look kind of like uh, Wookiees. Is, <laughs> I mean, they, they really do. They look like Wookiees. Um, but Mookie. there is a reference to where the original one came from. Because in the original Apple II version of the first wizardry scenario, uh, Proving Grounds of the Mad or Overload, in the first scenario, on level 6 at 7 North 19 East... And one edition of the game, a singular release, version 2.1, 22nd of January, 8, 1982. There was a scenario, uh, you, you walked on a place and you got an Easter egg one-time event. And it said, suddenly you see a group of three humanoids. One is a barbarian with a sword that glows. One is a sexy female mage. And the third looks like a huge ogre. The barbarian points to the end of the corridor and yells, Ariel, Ukla, this way! And they all run off. And you might ask, in fact, you probably are asking, why the fuck am I telling you this? Um, what has this got to do with the Wizardry 6, 7, and 8 uh, mook race? Well, those three humanoids represent the characters of what started out as a 1977 television anime show titled... Thundar the Barbarian. What? And Ukla, mentioned in the text above, is the name of one of its members of a race called the Mook. What? So, in Wizardry 1, there is a one-time, barely accessible Easter egg event that references Thundar the Barbarian. Which has a mook in it. <laughs> and then in Wizardry 6, 7, and 8, they called back to that and added the mook. And now we Bizarre. just call, like, random... Now mook yeah. is like a word for just like, oh, oh yeah, those fucking mooks, I'm just mowing down mooks. Yep. What the fuck? <laughs> uh-huh. Language this game is, is bizarre. Weird. Language. This is game weird. is bizarre. <laughs> and that was just the facts. Oh my god! Should I play Wizardry? I, I mean, I have Wizardry Eight. I've never been able to get into it. No. Um, Do you I've, still have I've to draw to. your own maps by Wizardry Eight? I think so. Oh, okay. Never mind. I think so. I'll just I'll just stick to trying and failing to get into Etrian and Odyssey games. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, talk about our one-hit blunder, which is Natalie and Brugelia's Left of the Middle. Do we have to? Uh, you did not like this. No album. 
Uh, All right, so first up, what are your thoughts on Torn? Torn is an amazing song. Torn is the obvious one-hit blunder here. Torn is one of the ten greatest songs of the '90s. There is no other song with the the fucking raw emotional fucking like Uh appeal of that song. Like like it is, it is a true masterpiece. Torn is great. Love Torn. Yeah? Yeah. The rest of the album was shit. She never wrote another <laughs> song half that good. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. You, you do know she didn't write that song. Oh, she didn't? No. Torn is a cover. Torn is a cover? Torn is a cover. Who's Torn, Torn was a written cover by, by Scott Scott Cutler, Ann Previn, and Phil Thornally were the original writers for that uh they did not um it was it was produced uh as a solo song for Anne previn and previn's band edna swap what i've never heard edna swap what the fuck so so they they played they performed it live the first recorded version of it is actually by Danish singer Liz Sorensen. Um, and then in 1994 was the uh, you know, Edna Swap did their uh, perfor- uh, recording of it. And then in 96, American-Norwegian singer Trine Rain uh, sang it. So it was performed since 1991, recorded three times by other bands... Before Natalie and Bruce Lee did it, the the other versions, honestly, I've I've listened to. They're not that. They're not as good. I prefer the the Natalie one. I mean, that explains so much, though, because oh no, it explains all of it. Yeah, "Torn" <laughs> is a very well written song. Like each line is so immaculately crafted. It's it's yeah. kind of insane. And then the rest of her lyrics are shit like. What was the one I sent you? Uh, think of all the bubbles of love we made. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That, like, that's the level of shit you're getting on the rest of her songs. Yeah. Um, and also, I, I... So, I will say this. I didn't have any problems with the rest of the album. I didn't have anything good to say about the rest of the album either. <laughs> I honestly, after Torn, every song sounded fairly similar. Right. It, it was all like every song was just like, yeah, this is the 90s. I yeah, was yeah. actually I was actually going to say so like um Torn Torn is the opener, right? So you're you're starting yeah. off you're starting off with your strongest punch. This is this is uh-huh. opening with a finisher, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If only she could have pulled off a fatality right there. But then you're immediately thrown into the next song, which is easily the worst on the album, One More Addiction. It has this plodding bass line that's like it I think it's off key, to be honest. I, I Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not great. No. It is it is not great. <laughs> And and then you're just left with like this this array of like decent to bad songs between big mistake 
and pigeons and crumbs. And then from then yeah. on, it's just nothing. It's a wasteland mm-hmm. of anything worth talking about, right? Yep. Um, but in, in those first uh, seven songs, aside from Torn, what you're hearing is her attempting to be Alanis Morissette. Her attempting yes. to be yes. Cheryl Crow. You know? Like, uh-huh. Her attempting to be Jewel. All of these other 90s female singers, she's like pulling from them and trying to ape their style, but she's not even like as good of a songwriter as Jewel, who's not that yeah. good. No. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. So that's that's what this album is. It's her cover fantastically covering this one song. But like, oh it's, yeah, it's so good. It's it fucking. It, it was worth it for her to get that one song out. If we got nothing else worthwhile from her, I'm glad we got that. But then the rest mm. of the album is just her desperately wishing to fit in with the '90s alt rock scene, and yeah. and she doesn't. <laughs> no, no, she doesn't. But like it, it just it just sounds like uh, the, the whole album just sounds like the nineties. It, it's it's but, wanting but, to but, be but on the like, cover man. of Lilith Fair. Yeah. Now I will say, like I I was not impressed with any of these songs, and and we like we only listened to the original disc basically. Yeah. That, that's there's. There's also there was an Australian bonus disc, a Japanese bonus disc, a Taiwanese bonus disc. There's an alternative pressing. We don't we don't care about any of that. However, uh, I I listen to these albums on YouTube, and the albums just uh, compile everything together. They just mash it all in. So, unless I catch it in time, it just keeps playing. And I didn't catch it in time, and I heard the first. Yeah, 30 seconds of Tomorrow Morning, uh, the first track on the Australian bonus disc. Uh Uh-huh. And it was actually, like, interesting and different. (laughs) Oh, wait, let me... I have Spotify open right now. I mean, I... Like, 30 seconds. It was not enough for me to, like, listen through the song and be like, uh, okay, this is a good song. But it was enough for me to be like... This is not the same as everything else I just listened to, and is actually somewhat interesting. I can't find it. Yeah, okay, whatever. It's it's like in a minor key, and it's... It's, it's got a swing to it. Like, it's... it's Like, having not listened to more than 30 seconds of it, it is definitely the second best song on this album. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even on this album! It's not even on Spotify. I looked up Natalie and Bruglia tomorrow morning. It's not on Spotify. Wild. <laughs> huh. Yeah. So, yep, that's... Uh, that's what I have to say. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of the, it, it's every fucking album we listen to, right? 
uh, on this yeah. one hit blunder thing. Like they're they're the rare instances of like pretty good to fantastic albums. Uh, mm-hmm. Like personally, I think the um, fucking Dexy's Midnight Runners album pretty good, you know. Mm, and then there's ass. fucking terrible, just outright shit albums. Like the uh, Rednecks album we listened to, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the 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 majority of what we end up listening to are albums where there was one good song and then they had no other good ideas, right? Yeah, none at all. And, and that's what this is. Like, there's a reason she's a one-hit wonder. She just wasn't good enough. Yep, she just wasn't. Yeah. Oh well. All right. Well, that's that. <laughs> Stay tuned to to next week where we talk about uh, an hour's worth of anime. Oh god, uh, and, anime. And then and and then Wombat talks about his hours worth of anime. <laughs> yeah. And also, we will be reading a different light novel. Do you want to yeah. announce it? Uh, Katana Gatari. Yeah. It's a, it, it actually is by the guy who wrote the Mono... Mono... Monogatari. Yeah, like Bakemonogatari and Nisei and Monogatari, those books. It is by the same guy. Um, wow. Yeah. Which means it's either going to be just fantastic or absolute garbage. Because he doesn't have anything that's only decent. He's either a genius yeah. or he's turned everything off. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, looking forward to that. Yep. All right, well, I thought that this was going to go way longer. I also because did. there I... were a lot of facts, and I really thought that that would take up a whole bunch of time. And then also, you know, my whole spiel in the, the morning, or in the morning, in the intro. Gosh, and I had sleep. six games to talk about. Yeah. But uh, we actually we plugged through pretty fast. Yeah. We kept it tight hour 30 Hour forty. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good for us. We're we're usually going <laughs> way is. too long. <laughs> we are. Yeah, it's true. All right. Well, let's not uh, overstay our welcome. We'll see y'all next time. Bye bye. Goodbye.